to watch it. And, um, and so tonight, uh, the lecture I'm starting with is, is a recent lecture that I've given. I wanted to give it for a couple of years now. And, but usually some of the lectures that I give, um, you, you get like the apologetics community and everybody talks on the same subjects over and over again and draws the same conclusions over and over again. And you start realizing there's only about four or five guys that are actually thinking. And everybody else is just cloning them, cloning their work. And so I do some thinking outside the box. One area is like redating the New Testament books. I come up with much earlier dates than most of our pastors today hold to. They don't even realize it, but their dating has been influenced by Darwinian thought and things of that sort, by evolution. And um, uh, But this particular talk, I think, is, is really, really needed. The global, the, the demonic globalists that are out there that want to rule the world. And, you know, I've been called a kook for saying that. You know, Rory was one of my original researchers that convinced me that this stuff is going on, this stuff is coming down. That was in the early 1990s. And um, there is a global conspiracy. There are people uh, that want America to go down and want us to merge into a global state. I think that the final domino to fall that will usher in global tyranny is the armed American middle class. That's what's holding America back. We've got leaders right now that hate America. So if you run your campaign, say, make America great again, you're automatically a racist. You're a bad guy for wanting to make your own, own country great and remain sovereign. And you give a few speeches at the UN denouncing the New World Order in an international global state, and you're a bad guy. So, um, so we live in crazy times when it's not just the leaders of other governments that hate Americans. Many of our own leaders hate us. And, um, and so what is the agenda? And so we're going to be talking about what I call Nietzsche's supermen and a world without God. Now, as you can see on the slides, they don't turn out as well as they do in my own PowerPoint. Um, there's going to be some overlapping and hope that hopefully that won't cause too much conclusion. But I want to talk about Friedrich Nietzsche. He lived from 1844, died in 1900. That's the kind of stash I want to grow, but my wife won't. My wife won't let me. She doesn't kiss that. And um, um, but whatever the case, he died in 1900. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about his madman parable. And we're not going to read the whole thing. I'll just start out. It's from his work, The Gay Science. And back then, gay didn't mean what it means today. So just the happy science. But he says, have you not heard of that madman who lit a lantern in the bright morning hours? Well, you don't need a lantern in the bright morning hours. The sun's already out. So he finds out he's come too early. Ran to the marketplace and cried incessantly, I seek God, I seek God. As many of those who did not believe in God were standing around, so atheists, fellow atheists were standing around just then, he provoked much laughter, Okay. And um, we're not going to read the whole thing, but they're like, well, has God emigrated? Has he done this? Has he done that? And the madman, the lantern, and it's symbolic of Nietzsche himself, who, by the way, did die mad in 1900. Um, 
And the madman looks at them and says, don't you understand that we've committed the biggest incident in the history of mankind? We killed God. It's like we threw God off the bridge in Western civilization. Belief in God, belief in traditional Christianity, that's what gave our lives meaning in Western civilization, America and Europe. Okay? And um, Nietzsche said, we threw God off the bridge. And you guys, so these atheist colleagues were saying, we threw God off the bridge, let's party. God is dead, let's party. And then it's business as usual. Nietzsche is like, we threw God off the bridge. I'm terrified everything changes. And so what Nietzsche is going to be arguing throughout his writings is that when we threw God off the bridge, we went through his pockets. You know, they thought science had proven God uh, to be a, a, a meaningless explanation, okay? Uh, antiquated, outdated. And, um, but Nietzsche's saying to his atheist buddies, when, you threw, when we threw God off the bridge, we weren't supposed to, you're not allowed to go through his pockets and say, oh, look, moral values, we need that. Oh, look, um, uh, truth, we got to have some absolute truth. Oh, we got to have meaning in life. Okay, now let's throw God off the bridge. And so what Nietzsche is saying is if we throw God off the bridge, everything in his pockets goes with him. You can't say I reject Christianity and then live like you believe Christianity is true. And so our whole idea of meaning and of life was based on belief in the Christian God. If we killed the Christian God, everything's got to change. Nietzsche says there's no more up and down anymore. We've detached the earth from its sun. Okay? Uh, he talks about the need to, to create our own festivals. Okay? Um, he goes on and on about you guys don't even understand the death of God. We did it ourselves, and you don't really understand the consequences of a world without God. Now, his last paragraph is his message to the church. Too many people read Nietzsche's work, the German atheist philosopher, and they think that Nietzsche was constantly attacking the church. That's not true. He considered the church irrelevant. So most of his attacks were on his fellow atheist colleagues for saying Christianity's not true, but then living like Christianity was still true, okay? They were living by Christian morality. They had the Christian view of truth, that there are certain things that are true for all people at all times and all places, that there are certain things that are right or wrong at all times and all places for all people, and that life is meaningful, because there's life after death. He said, why would you act that way if you don't believe in God anymore? But the madman realized he came too early. No one's ready for his message. And he was correct. Nietzsche died in 1900, and most atheists still did not get the memo. Didn't realize if God is dead, truth is dead, morality is dead, and meaning is dead. Now, Nietzsche's going to argue this is going to lead to the supermen. Francis Schaeffer and C.S. Lewis, two Christian thinkers, said, no, it's going to lead to the death of man. If God is dead, man is dead too. Okay? This is the reason why we don't even know which restroom to use anymore. We don't even know who we are anymore because we've detached ourselves from our creator. And so by our emotions, 
totally apart from the facts, whether they're biological facts or whatever, we're just trying to recreate ourselves. And, um, but he says this deed is still more distant than the most distant stars, and yet they have done it themselves. They don't understand that the consequences of a world without God, okay? But he closes this madman parable by saying, it has been related further that on the same day, the madman forced his way into several churches and therefore struck up his requiem eternum deo, you know, death of God, let out and called to account, he is said always uh, to have replied nothing but, what are these churches now if they are not the tombs and sepulchres of God? So his, his reaction to the church was, you're outdated. He's predicting that nobody's, in the great churches of Europe, nobody's going to worship God anymore. They're going to be museums. If you, go to New, if you go to Europe today, that's exactly what you find. Nobody's worshiping God in these great cathedrals and these huge, beautiful churches. They're museums now. Nietzsche would say they're tombs of a dead God. So he's saying the church is irrelevant, and the atheists don't even realize it. They reject God, but they still live like God is true. And so Nietzsche proclaimed God is dead. If you can move, yeah, there you go. Nietzsche proclaimed God is dead. He said that Christianity is no longer the dominant influence in Western civilization, that scientific advances made belief in God untenable. Nietzsche said that since God is dead, traditional morality is dead as well. Even truth is dead. And this leads to what is called nihilism, nothingism, no truth. If there's no God, there's no truth, no morality, and no meaning. So Nietzsche understood that if we throw God off the bridge, anything in his pockets go off the bridge as well such as truth, morality, meaning. I would add sanctity to human life. If there's no God, man, it's mere molecules in motion. If you walked into the church building today and you saw me kicking a mound of dirt, you might think I'm a weirdo, but you wouldn't call 911. If you saw me kicking a human being, you'd either tackle me or you'd call 911. Well, what's the difference? If there's no God, there is no difference. The mound of dirt, mere molecules in motion. The human being, mere molecules in motion. God makes uh, the difference there. And uh, so uh, Nietzsche then rejected the soft values of Christianity like mercy, kindness, grace, love, because he believed they hold back human creativity and they hold back the evolution of man, okay? And so he provoked, promoted the hard values of the superman. He even glorified war, okay? So the superman, the supermen have the courage to create their own values, hard values, through their will to power. This is why J.P. Moreland, a friend of mine, a professor at Talbot School of Theology in Southern California, he said about 23 years ago that when truth is gone, when truth and reason are gone, all that's left is shouting. And so much of what we see today is just shouting, name-calling, and things of that sort. And now it's kind of like, you know, you promote some truth on Facebook or Twitter, they just, they just cancel you, censor you. I've had two of my sermons um, that have been canceled for violating community standards 
because I uh, expressed, uh, uh, I, I thought people should decide whether or not to take a medical procedure. Hopefully by not mentioning a word, we didn't just cancel this, but there's a bad word you can't say. It's not really a bad word, but if you say it, um, you're canceled. And, um, and But the supermen have the courage to create their own hard values through their will to power. The soft values of Christianity, that's the slave morality. Nietzsche's promoting the hard values, the master morality, where instead of just evolving, I don't know, we take over evolution. We move mankind to the next stage in the spiritual evolution of mankind. So Nietzsche said, now that God is dead, the supermen have the courage to create their own new morality, new truth, and new meaning. And if, you know, if reason and truth are gone, it's going to be through their will, through their will to power. That's what we see in political correctness. Okay? You disagree with those in positions of power, you get canceled. And uh, so Nietzsche believed this would produce the Superman, the next stage in the evolution of man. Uh, really, he's wrong. This is a step backward, not forward. So Christian thinkers like C.S. Lewis and Francis Schaeffer, these two Christian thinkers argued that the death of man will follow. In other words, if God is dead, not only is truth dead, morality dead, meaning is dead, but man is also going to be dead. I wrote a paper in 1998 just, just repeating what C.S. Lewis wrote in The Abolition of Man in the 1940s and what uh, Francis Schaeffer wrote in the 1970s in his Back to Freedom and Human Dignity that Nietzsche was right that if, if God died, as far as Western civilization is concerned, in the 19th century, the 1800s, then in the 20th century we will see the death of truth, morality, and meaning but that means in the 21st century, we will see the death of man, where man will not be important. The individual will no longer be important. Forget about talking about human rights anymore. And I wrote that in 1998. Of all places, I presented in Portland, Oregon. And um, in fact, in 1987, I wrote a book that I didn't think we could retain our freedom by the year 2020. Um, uh, without widespread revival. And I don't think we got the widespread revival. And I think when they shut down the churches in March of 2020, at that point, we ceased to be a, a free nation. Just because we're all not locked up doesn't mean we're free. There are people who say the same things I'm saying right now that have been locked up for it. Okay? And um, so you can be locked up just for being the political opponent, political enemy of those in power. So this is not a step forward, it's a step backward. But C.S. Lewis and Francis Schaeffer said, look, the 20th century brought about, because of the death of God, 20th century brought about the death of truth, morality, and meaning. The 21st century will bring about um, the death uh, of man. So if, if God is dead, man is dead too. So there's a picture of C.S. Lewis, lived from 1898 to 1963. It's really crazy. Him and, uh, what's it, uh, Aldous, Aldous Huxley? Him and one of the Huxleys died on the same day as John F. Kennedy. So this would have been on the front page of every newspaper that C.S. Lewis had died, but John F. Kennedy died. So a Christian philosopher, Peter, Peter Kraft, 
wrote an outstanding book of the three of them waiting to be judged, having a conversation. And he had Kennedy, who was not a really serious Catholic, be the secular humanist. C.S. Lewis was the Christian, and Huxley was more of the New Ager type. But his book, The Abolition of Man, I recommend everybody read that. He said that, you know, education, the law, the legal system, and um, science. If there's no belief in truth anymore, then education is not going to teach truth. The law isn't going to defend what is right and come down on what is evil. And um, uh, science isn't going to be teaching what is true. They're all going to be used just to protect those in positions of power. So when a little Italian guy named Fauci says, you disagree with me, you disagree with science, he's just fulfilling C.S. Lewis's prophecies, okay? We're being lied to. And uh, um, C.S. Lewis warned about the coming of, he didn't call them the supermen, he called them the man molders of the new age, the few who would control the billions, okay? Then there's Francis Schaeffer, you know, it's always cool to see guys like C.S. Lewis and Francis Schaefer who look like smart guys. I show up for a debate, and it looks like a New Jersey cab driver just walked in the door. But Francis Schaefer looked like a smart guy, 1912 to 1984. Schaefer warned us about B.F. Skinner's elites. By the way, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, Yuval Noah Harari's views, and he is the updated version of B.F. Skinner, where humans have no free will, and we're controlled by our genes and our environment. And so B.F. Skinner, then he's a psychologist, he said, since there's no free will and humans are controlled by their genes, what they've inherited, and their environment, then me and my buddies, and there's no such thing as right and wrong, me and my buddies know what's best for the world, so we need to control people genetically, get into our bodies, control us genetically, and control their environments to bring about the best possible future. And of course, Francis Schaeffer's re response to that was, wait a minute, if there's no such thing as good and evil, what makes you think your vision of the world is the best? If there's no bad, good, better, and best, there is no best. I mean, if the whole world blows up tomorrow, that's if there's no good and evil... That's, that's not best. That's not worst. There's no way to, to judge it. And then secondly, Francis Schaeffer said, if everybody's controlled by their genes and their environment and they don't have free will, then that also covers B.F. Skinner and his colleagues. So, um, but whatever the case, we're seeing the, the B.F. Skinners of our day, and, um, and we're going to talk about that. So with Nietzsche's supermen, the state becomes God. What we are looking at is what I refer to as the deification of the state. I use the, the phrases, the death of man and the deification of the state as synonyms. By the way, I talked about the coming death of Western civilization, the death of man, 1998 paper. By 2020, I was getting a whole lot of phone calls and emails from pastors and professors apologizing to me. Some I know they knew that they ridiculed me to my face. A lot of them I didn't know that they kind of, 
they they all said, you know, oh, I love I love Phil. He's a great guy, but it's a little kooky, you know. And um, and then when the riots started right in Oregon, right where I presented that paper, the regional meeting, Evangelical Theological Society, in 1998, when the riots started in Oregon, Portland, Oregon, the people were saying, "Oh man, Fernandez is right." I had one guy, and I'm not saying this to brag in any way, because I shut him down. I even had one pastor tell me, he said, "Brother, you know, I, um, you know, I'm not charismatic, but I, I, I think you're a prophet." And I told him, I said, dude, I was just repeating what C.S. Lewis said in the 1940s. So if you want to give somebody a prophetic title, you give it to the guys who said this 80 years ago. Not some uh, idiot from Jersey who got saved and just read the guy's work and repeated it. But, um, but Nietzsche's Superman, the state becomes God. You have the deification of state, of the state and the death of man, man loses his value. You're only important if you're important to the state. That's real important here. You're only important if you're important to the state because the state becomes God. See, if there's a God, if you're important to God, you're important. When I teach at Cross Point, you know, the juniors and the seniors are the real cool kids, and the kindergarten and the first graders, they're not supposed to be that cool. Well, I treat them like kings and queens. Because if they're important to my God, they better be important to me. But these supermen who want to rule the world, um, a lot of them are going to start to view us as being useless. Okay? We'll talk about that. But we're at the mercy of the supermen's will to power. Some of the supermen that are recreating the world today are guys like Bill Gates, guy who couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag, George Soros, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum. He took, they had to take it down from the web, World Economic Forum website where it said, you will own nothing and be happy. Let me tell you something, Mr. Uh, Mr. Schwab. I'll decide if I'm hop, happy or not. And don't take my car from me. Don't take my stuff from me. Um... But he, he's going to be flying around in his private jets. And we're going to be stuck with public transportation. And we'll be happy, says Klaus Schwab, because he knows what's best for us. And then Yuval Noah Harari, and we're going to talk about his thinking. Uh, the new state is going to be global government. Well, the new state, when we think of the state, we think of government. Okay? But that's not the way it is. In fact, though, in... Uh, I think it was in Brave New World, but they interviewed um, George Orwell or it was Huxley, one of the two. And they said, look, the state's going to drastically change. So it's going to be government, and we see global government. It's going to combine with social media, international corporations, mainstream media, military, industri military industrial complex, and technology experts. So when people say, well, you can't, you can't uh, force Twitter to stop censoring conservatives or Christians and stuff because it's only the government that's not supposed to infringe on the freedom of speech. That's a private company. Let me tell you, we've got so many private, so many aspects of the private sector that it's either in the back pocket of the government or the government is in their back pocket. 
that for all practical purposes, when you look at the Bill Gates and the George Soros, I mean, these guys have more power than the president of the United States. A guy in a White House is having, you know, some, some real mental issues right now. That guy in a White House, he's taking his marching orders, and it's from Nietzsche's supermen. It's not from elected officials. So here's a picture of Bill Gates and uh, George Soros. Uh, Klaus Schwab. I'm telling you, you got it. It's like a comedy, man. You got to listen to Klaus Schwab speak. If if there's a if there's a guy, if you're gonna make a comedy about a guy taking over the world, he's gonna sound just like Klaus Schwab. I mean, uh, the accent. Um, I, I, that guy. I I don't think there's any way to get him to grin either. But he says, "You will own nothing and be happy." But the guy we want to talk about tonight is the prophet for the new age, Yuval Noah Harari. He looks like around the size of guys I like to box. I like to box him and Fauci, little weak guys. But whatever the case, he's, he is a brilliant thinker. I just think he, he pretty consistently gets it wrong. We need to talk about him because his books have sold over 30 million copies like his book, Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. The one I want to focus on is his book, Homo Deus, A History of Tomorrow, about the God-man, that we're going to try to produce human gods, okay? Now, Harari, and I recommend you pick up that book if you want to read what, what the other side is thinking. You, know, you get people constantly say, oh, Donald Trump's a bad guy, and this and that, blah, 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 and, um, oh, I'm for abortion rights. I'm for transgender rights. And isn't that blah, blah, blah. Read this book and you'll see. You're going to find out. You're one of those, uh, you know, there's an expression, a, a use, useful idiot. But according to these guys, the, the people that are voting for this type of thinking are useless idiots. It's even worse. And so we're going to see what he thinks we should do with them. But he's the favorite philosopher and futurist of some of the world's leading globalists. Former President Obama thinks he's great. Bill Gates endorses his work. Klaus Schwab, and the list goes on and on. So um, this guy is very influential. Um, he's kind of like John Locke was to the Founding Fathers on political theory and all. And um, But he's an atheist who seeks salvation through science. Man, I'm telling you, science, scientists are lying to us left and right. I mean, then the good scientists who stand up for true science, whether it's climate change or pandemics, they get canceled. And, uh, but Harari's views, he believes our technology has virtually eradicated famine, poverty, plagues, epidemics, and war. Now, when I read that, I thought, this guy's an idiot because... You know, famine, poverty, plagues, epidemics, and war. You just described the way the world is. But then I read a few more pages, and I realized he was right. And he shows that all the famines and the poverty and the plagues and the epidemics and the wars, they're almost always caused on purpose by governments. He's not necessarily, by the way, he's not necessarily opposed to that either. This guy kind of stands back on making moral decisions there until uh, until he starts sharing his own views. But he's actually, I think he's actually onto something. Our technology is so advanced 
we don't have to have. When we have a, a big famine, it's usually man-made. It's usually a Marxist regime that takes all the food that its people produce and they store it somewhere where it rots. And then when Western countries send donations and send food, they also store it so it rots. And they starve their people out. And um, um, so, uh, but even the, the wars, I mean, it's just like... Uh, it, these are all just man-made things that are crushing us. But he says, well, since we've got the technology to eradicate all that, now we have new goals. And here's, here's what he lists as our new goals. Achieving immortality, trying to live forever. Now, he says, look, he says, this, he believes the God of the Bible is a myth. He says, look, look, these, the, the, the human gods the homo deus that will come on the scene, they're not going to live forever and ever. But within a few decades, they'll probably be able to live to be between 120 and 150 years. And they're going to be like human-machine hybrids, okay? So they'll be more like the Greek gods, like finite gods. And they'll be them, and they'll be AI, artificial intelligence, and then they'll be the regular humans. Okay, and um, so now humanity's new goals are achieving immortality, happiness, and divinity, godhood. So now the humanity's new goal is upgrading humans into gods. Of course, not everybody can afford the upgrades. So you're going to have the haves and the have-nots. Harari says, through biological manipulation and genetic engineering, we can greatly increase man's lifespan. He says we're going to upgrade humans into gods through three ways. There's biological engineering, changing our DNA. You know, some of this stuff was why the guys who who like this kind of thinking, why in the world? They're the ones who financed, you know, the jab. Um, I'm just not on board with that. Okay? Bill Gates, I don't trust you. But biological engineering, changing human DNA, then cyborgs, machine, human hybrids. And then there's going to also be non-organic beings, robots, and artificial intelligence replacing humans. Now, you know, I know you might think, man, you're a nut, Fernandez. Let me tell you, I, get, I got a confirmation of some of this stuff from Elon Musk. Elon Musk is not a Christian, but he attends the mover and shaker billionaire meetings but the guy still has a slice of his conscience left. The rest of these guys don't even have souls anymore, speaking metaphorically, just barely. And um, But e- Elon Musk is like, uh, he's, he's like, uh, what, what did he say? He told the, the head of Google that we got to slow down. He wants a six-month moratorium now on AI research, artificial intelligence, because he told... Tucker Carlson, that it has the ability not just to kill humans, but of cultural destruction. What he's talking about is pretty much wiping out the human race. So he expresses concerns to the head of Google, who used to be one of his colleagues, and he called him a speciest, which is like being called a racist. You know, a racist thinks his race is superior to other races, when in reality, we're all one human race. But 
A species thinks his species, human beings, are superior to other species. And the head of Google is saying when AI is here and human-machine hybrids are there, you can't be kind of like a racist for the human race. And, um, and uh, the way uh, Elon Musk put it to Tucker Carlson, right before Tucker Carlson got fired for telling the truth, um, uh, but he said, it's like, look, we're higher on the food chain than chimps are. On the so-called evolutionary train, of course, we don't believe in evolution, but they do. He says, we're higher up than chimps, but we kind of like them. We have the ability to make them go extinct, but we keep them around. He said, we have no guarantee AI is going to want to keep humans around. And that's why Elon Musk is sounding the alarm. And uh, uh, so superhumans, Harari says, superhumans will eclipse homo sapiens. And so the question comes up, will regular humans have rights? There's going to be brain-computer interfaces, nanorobots, artificial intelligence, Humans merging with robots and computers. And so Harari is, is thrilled that Homo sapiens, human beings, can now change the fundamental rules of evolution. Um, but Harari denies the reality of the human soul and free will. Now, now keep in mind, when Harari puts artificial intelligence on the same level as human intelligence and then sees it surpassing it, and he gives artificial intelligence consciousness. Keep in mind, he doesn't believe in a human soul. So a lot of his speculation is based upon holding a much lower view of man than the Bible teaches. So AI isn't as spectacular as he thinks because humans are a lot more spectacular than he thinks. Okay? Having said that, um, there's some actions wants taken, and, um, and so do the other supermen, which is very detrimental to the future of the human race. Uh, Harari believes there's no cosmic purpose for life, no, no God, no cosmic meaning. And he said, now, we've entered into the modern contract where we give up meaning, meaning in life for power. You might say, well, I, didn't, I wasn't part of that contract. Maybe you were. Through technology, your cell phones, the social media, that should be AI. I don't know. I just kind of stuttered with my fingers. That should just be AI. Um, but we've given up so much of our freedom, so much of our privacy. It's like his camera's everywhere, and we're okay with it. And, uh, but, you know, we like the idea. I, I like the idea of being able just to go to Amazon, and I see an interview on, uh, uh, what is it, uh, C-SPAN. And I think I got I to gotta buy that book. I get on Amazon, and I do a couple clicks. They already have my card number. And I buy the book, and it shows up the next day. I like that power. Problem is, I'm giving up my meaning. Okay? We're going to see Amazon may know Phil Fernandez better than Phil Fernandez knows Phil Fernandez. And uh, uh, But he sees Christianity and traditional religions as obsolete, outdated. Now, Harari thinks that secular humanism temporarily saves society. It's like, dude, what are you smoking? 
But you think secular humanism and atheistic worldview temporarily saves society by retaining meaning while also allowing for the growth of power. However, since free will is an illusion and our actions are determined by biological uh, means, our genes, and, and, and environmentally determined, and we have no human soul, no real meaning, so there really is no free will and really no individualism. So what you see here is what I call the death of man. The individual human being has no real worth in this new world. Okay? The death of God leads to the death of man. No individual rights. We see that class. I give this illustration all the time. My students laugh when I forget if it's the third time in one week that I give it to them. But right there in Seattle, at University of Washington, you had these little, the Antifa people used to be real little. Okay? Now, eventually, I think they started recruiting from the gangs. Now, now you could be a strong guy and get beat up by an Antifa guy. But back then, it was almost like a requirement. You had to be five foot two or less to be an Antifa member, and you put on all your black clothing and your black wool mask, and I guess that made you think you were tough. And they took the demonstration in, in the University of Washington a couple blocks into Seattle, and three white dudes were walking by with T-shirts, blue jeans, sneakers, and ball caps. And they didn't look like weightlifters, okay? But they looked like they were all about like 6'2", 210 pounds. They looked like the kind of guys that if you were looking for a fight, you wouldn't pick them. And these little Antifa people ran out because they were protesting, you know, against white privilege and stuff like that. And they pepper sprayed these guys in the face. And so one of them just stopped, and his reaction was to throw a left hook and knock the poor little Antifa person down. Their legs went up in the air. And the other Antifa got all freaked out, and he started screaming, what did you do that? Why did you do that? And he said, because you pepper sprayed me. One side could not understand the other side. You see, those guys, even if those guys weren't Christians, they were brought up in homes where they were taught Christian morality. You treat others the way you want to be treated. You don't infringe on others' rights. Human beings have rights. And... So when somebody pepper sprays you in the face, you're allowed to retaliate. The other side couldn't understand it because there's no individuals anymore. The Antifa side, your only worth is not as an individual, but you're part of a community. And they're neo-Marxists, the newer form of Marxists. So there's the oppressors and there's the oppressed. And white, male, Heterosexual Christians are 0 for 4. Intersectionality, you group those together, and that makes them fourfold oppressors. And so the Antifa people thought that these guys either should have thanked them, thank you, I'm suffering from white guilt, I'm glad you pepper sprayed me, or they should have just kept walking by. But the, the Antifa people could not understand the concept of individual rights. It just wasn't there. And the other side couldn't understand, I never hurt you, little Antifa person. I never hurt you. Why did you pepper spray me in the face? And that's a clash of two different worldviews. And, um, and we're going to see more and more of that. There's people out there that are destroying people's lives and careers and putting people in prison who are innocent, and they don't care. They don't even lose a night's sleep because there are no individual rights. 
Why? Because if God is dead, man is dead too. If there's no truth, all you have is your postmodern community and your narrative, your story. And you understand everything through that phony baloney narrative. And if that phony baloney narrative says, spray white males in the face with pepper spray, so be it. And um, so Harari says there's no human soul, no real meaning to life, no free will an individual. The death of God leads to the death of man, no individual rights. And so this is the surveillance state. They, they are talking about the freedom of information now. And by that, they don't mean freedom of speech. You've got to understand this if you want to understand how Satan is at work in the world today. It's not freedom of speech where you have the freedom to say what you think is true, even if it offends other people. It's not freedom of speech. It's freedom of information. And so when the government wants to collect all your information, freedom of information means that the government can collect all your information. It's a surveillance state. You can't hide from the state. Now, Harari says there's three practical developments based on current and future technology. One is humans will lose their usefulness. Let me tell you, there is a God. That God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if that God created you, you are useful. I don't care if you're an elderly, paralyzed person. You are useful to God. But if Harari is correct and there's no God, when AI surpasses what humans can do, humans will lose their usefulness and you'll have collectivism, no individual rights. And then there's going to be these superhuman elites um, who are human machine or human computer hybrids. Unenhanced humans will be completely useless. AI will replace the need for humans. Elon Musk confirmed this in an interview with Joe Rogan because Elon Musk still has, pray for him, pray for his salvation. He still has a conscience. I don't think the guy's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. He might, he's still redeemable, okay? But he confirmed this in an interview with Joe Rogan. He said that they're not going to, with AI, AI can do everything we can do. We're getting to the point. See, it used to be, the globalists are so demonic. I always thought if I wanted to rule the world, I would rather rule 7 billion people than half a billion people. That's not the way the globalists think. Now, the globalists used to think we're going to run out of natural resources and the regular people are useless eaters. So let's get rid of the useless eaters, but we got to save at least half a billion to one billion because they got to maintain our airports so we can fly our private jets in there and our highways. We need the worker bees. Elon Musk is saying, no, AI can do that now. Okay, so there's like a demonic paranoia that we might consume all their natural resources. Now, by the way, that paranoia is going away. Because now they know that through technology, you know, like we could feed, we can feed 10 times the number of people that we have on the planet Earth if our leaders wanted to, but they don't. And so it comes down to, are you useful to the man gods of the new age, the man molders of the new age, or are you not useful? 
And so when Elon Musk said they don't need humans anymore, Joe Rogan said none. And then Elon Musk corrected himself and said, well, they need enough humans around so they don't interbreed too much. That's how much Bill Gates thinks, loves you. That's how much George Soros and Klaus Schwab, how much they love you. And, um, and so uh, what will we do with all the useless people? And, uh, you know, Harari says, you know what? We're not going to starve to death. We're now finding out our technology is so advanced, we can feed them with future technology. But then it's like, but why feed them? They're useless. So he says, well, we can give them drugs. This is all in his homo deus. We can give them drugs and computer games with virtual reality. Okay? So it's not even, I used to say like in Brave New World or 1984, you're going to live in your little government cubicle and have your little government job with cameras everywhere. Well, there's no government job for you anymore. AI is going to do that. So you don't even have that. So you're useless because you don't serve the man gods, the supermen. And, um, and so it's like, well, we can make them, we can make them pretend that their life is useful by giving them computer games and drugs. Um, this would make their useless lives more enjoyable. Or should we exterminate them? And he doesn't even make the decision. He says AI will probably make the decision. Once artificial intelligence surpasses human intelligence, it might exterminate humans. Okay, I, I think the way I understand AI is it seems to me like it will work within the boundaries. I mean, it's like calculators where you can add big numbers quicker with a calculator than a human can on their own. But all that information was fed into it by humans. And with AI, we feed information from humans, but then we can get it to the work to the point where it can fix its own mistakes. It can start taking things. We can give it two plus two equals four. And then it can figure out four plus two must equal six and six plus two must equal eight. And so it starts going, moving on. But it seems to me like you can build in boundaries for AI. But that's not what they're doing. Okay. And uh, it's not like, it doesn't seem to me like they're feeding into AI, artificial intelligence. It doesn't seem to me that they're feeding into it. Human life is sacred. Okay. It seems to me like they're feeding information like this man-made global climate change is going to destroy the planet. How can we save the planet? Solve that problem, AI. Oh, okay. Exterminate the human race. Except for the guys who control the AI, the the human gods, the supermen. And um, so once AI surpasses human intelligence, it might exterminate humans. Organisms like humans are mere algorithms. They are not individuals. On page 84, Harari states that an algorithm is a methodological set of steps that can be used to make calculations, resolve problems, and reach decisions. Okay? Later on, he's going to call human beings data. We're just data in the system. Okay? There's no inner self, says Harari. External algorithms know us better than we know ourselves. 
just just from from Facebook likes, I think it only takes 300 Facebook likes and Facebook can predict your next choice on social media better than your spouse can. It's pretty scary. And uh, but in technology enables uh, external algorithms to hack into humans. That's why I don't want these guys getting into my body. I, my, I like my man, my God made, um, um, my God made uh, immune system. I don't need the Bill Gates upgrade. Okay, and um, excuse me, sir. I'm gonna. I'll go use vitamin C and vitamin D. Uh, but Harari says we should trust algorithms to make our choices. They know us better than we know ourselves. And many are already doing this. We're willing to trust our decision-making to companies like Google. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, it's, I'm telling you, it's hard to fight this. If Amazon.com tells me that I need to buy a certain book, it's hard to say no. It's hard to disagree with them. And based on my buying record, they usually, you know, they usually suggest a book that sounds really good to me. Um, but... Companies like Google, if these companies were given our DNA, medical records, financial records, uh, then we should trust them to make our decisions, our medical decisions and things like that for us rather than ourselves. He believes that we should have no free will and no privacy. Remember, it's freedom of information. Allow the algorithms to decide our future. And he says humans are not really individuals we're part of a global network. So based on 300 Facebook likes, the Facebook algorithm can predict your opinion and choices better than your spouse can. That's pretty scary. Now, Harari promotes the data religion. Dataism is the belief that the universe, and I'm quoting from page 372 in Homo Deus, the universe consists of data flows, and the value of any phenomenon or entity is determined by its com contributions to data processing. So when, when humans are just mere data, we're not important as individuals. If we contribute to the data processing, great. If we don't, we can just delete that data. Uh, data, Harari says that uh, data collapses the barrier between animals like humans, and machines, because the animals are just data. Humans are just data. Everything is just data. The work of processing data should be entrusted to external algorithms. They can make better choices for us than we can. Individual organisms are just data processing systems. Um, he says on page 383, we may interpret the entire human species as a single data processing system with individuals serving as its chips. Okay? So it's, kind of, it's like, I don't know, I don't know much about computers, but it's kind of like we're just part of some software program. And if we really don't contribute to it, we could just delete that aspect. And eventually we just toss aside the whole program. Harari promotes the Internet of all things. Once this mission is accomplished, Homo sapiens will vanish. So we're going to bring about the next stage in evolution, and Homo sapiens, real human, human beings, 
are going to be gone. There's going to be freedom of information, i.e. complete surveillance. Not freedom of speech. Freedom of information is the greatest good. You know how you have the right to remain silent? Not if Ferrari has his way. And um, free-flowing data can solve all our problems. Climate change, which is a bogus problem. You know, there is climate change going on. I mean, each year you get four seasons. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, so little of it is man-made. But now we got President Joe Biden and former Senator, Senator John Kerry going around the world saying that their goal is net zero. Look up net zero. That means you get no private vehicles. I feel sorry for my students because at least I got like, you know, 45 years driving around private vehicles. Now, most of my vehicles were pretty beat up and probably shouldn't have been on the road in the first place, but at least I got to drive private vehicles. They want people out of private vehicles, everybody on public transportation. Try riding the New York subway right now while we're defunding the police. And then some guy gets violent with everybody and a former Marine uh, restrains him and accidentally kills him and then we charge the guy with murder. And uh, But they want us out of private vehicles, everybody taking public transportation. They want us to stop using toilet paper. Hold on to your leftover masks, okay? But uh, get some use out of them, all right? But... Uh, but whatever the case, then they don't don't want us flying. Um, unless you're working with the government, they don't want us flying. And they want everything to be within 15 minutes of the little cubicle they're going to force you to live, live in. And it's going to be public transportation that takes you there and everything you need so you can't go anywhere. So adios to my relatives in Jersey. I'll never see you again. My wife's relatives in New Mexico will never see them again. In fact, if you got relatives in eastern Washington, say goodbye. And uh, Klaus Schwab, you'll own nothing and be happy. Don't you tell me. I mean, you, you, man, don't tell me what makes me happy. All right, dude? Mind your own business. And uh, uh, But free-flowing data can solve all our problems. Climate change. Pandemics, pollution, health problems, crime. It sounds so good, but in the end, we're useless, so AI is probably going to exterminate us. But, you know, the AI is coming to exterminate you, and you're thinking, well, at least they, they, they solved climate change. There's no more pandemics, no more pollution, no more health problems, no more crime. And guess what, Mom? No more humans. So a great, great solution to our problems. See, when man tries to play God... He does a pretty lousy job. Okay, there is a God. You're not him, Bill Gates. And uh, uh, privacy must cease. As the global, Harari says on page 391 of his work, Homo Deus, um, as the global data processing system becomes all-knowing and all-powerful, so connecting to the system becomes the source of all meaning. For true believers to be disconnected from the data flow risk losing the very meaning of life. Now, if that sounds hard to believe, take your cell, the cell phone away from your teenage kid. And they will act like their life has no meaning because they've been disconnected from the source of meaning in their lives. Okay? 
We're already, in other words, what I'm saying is we're being conditioned for this already. And um, my two teenage nieces, we took care of them for a few years, and we take them out to eat at Azteca for me, my wife, and the two nieces would be one nice family, and they just sitting there like this. Couldn't even talk to them. And uh, um, and and that's not unusual. But for true believers to be disconnected from the data flow risks losing the very meaning of life. I've been saying that for years, just in my job. Well, with all the computer stuff I got to learn, I could be the world's greatest teacher and get fired because I can't document it on the new computer program that we have. Okay? Uh, and it's like, wait a minute. It looks like reality is now in the virtual reality world. And what we used to call reality just not really doesn't count anymore. Vince was a custodian his whole life, decades of work. And it took him for about two years. He was out of work because every place that was looking for custodians, you had to know a certain amount of computer, have computer skills to document the work you were doing. And, um, but Harari says many dataists claim the internet of all things is sacred because it is being made by humans to serve human needs. But eventually it will become sacred in its own right. And the shift will be from a homocentric, a human-centric, to a data-centric worldview. In other words, humans aren't really going to be considered the most important thing, if important at all. And so through DNA sequencing... And uh, the great algorithms of the Internet of all things is viewed in that as like, a, the, like God, the Internet of all things. So through DNA sequencing and the great algorithms of the Internet of all things, decisions about whom to marry, which career to choose, and what health decisions to make will be made, not by the human, but by the DNA sequencing and the great algorithms of the Internet of all things. So it's, it's like... The internet of all things becomes this God that makes all your decisions for you. Algorithms, Harari says, algorithms evolve independently and learn from their mistakes due to a rise of machine learning and artificial neural networks. Dataism follows its own path, will take over the future, and will decide the fate of humans. Harari says, dataism will conquer the world, at first, it will greatly help humanity. Eventually, dataism will no longer need humans. This is why Elon Musk is saying we need a six-month moratorium on AI research. Okay? And, um, and he's being accused of being a speciesist, which is kind of like being called a racist, only he considers the human beings to be important, more important than AI or whatever comes next. Um, so eventually dataism will no longer need humans. Arari says intelligence is decoupling from consciousness. So he's going to have intelligence apart from consciousness. Artificial intelligence will be as real as human intelligence. Keep in mind, it, it won't be, it won't be, it's just he lowers what human consciousness is and human intelligence and he elevates artificial intelligence. If... If artificial intelligence 
does rise above, above human intelligence so it actually ha takes on consciousness, um, it's either going to be because of the controllers, it's their consciousness imposed on it, or what we're doing is creating one big Ouija board and opening portals and inviting the demonic realm without even realizing it, maybe with realizing it, but um, crying out to the demonic realm and evil spirits to come in and take control. It's like the CERN project. Um, they talk about possibly opening portals to intelligent beings from other dimensions. It's like, dude, when did you stop doing science and start doing science fiction? Yeah, the statue of Kali, the goddess of death, outside the CERN building. Yeah, yeah. It's This is the return of the ancient gods. Don't ever remove the demonic element, even though Harari might not be aware of, aware of it. In conclusion, our culture has rejected God's truth and God's morality. Our culture has created its own truth and its own morality. Today's truth and morality it's okay to abort babies, kill babies before they're born, kill babies after they're born. There's transgenderism, where if you're a male, you don't want to be a male. You can identify as a female. Critical race theory, which says there's the oppressors and the oppressed. And if you're a white, male, heterosexual Christian, you're automatically a racist. It doesn't matter if you've had no racist thoughts no racist words, no racist attitudes, and no racist actions, you're automatically a racist just by the color of your skin. This is crazy, too, because I was not a white guy growing up. Being half Portuguese and half Italian, the white supremacists didn't like, you know, we were lower on the list. They wanted to get the Jews first, the African-Americans next, but eventually they get down to the... Uh, and then eventually to the Italians. Margaret Sanger didn't like Portuguese and Italians. She was a racist. Somewhere, you know, so when it was advantageous to be a white guy, I wasn't a white guy. And then when all of a sudden it worked against you to be a white guy, you're supposed to have white guilt because of white privilege, all of a sudden I'm a white guy. And um, so this is all arbitrary, arbitrarily chosen categories to just to promote this godless destruction of Western civilization. Why do they hate Western civilization? Because it was built on Christian principles. In the end, they hate Christianity, and more specifically, they hate the God of Christianity. These people, whether it's Sigmund Freud, Friedrich Nietzsche, um, uh, whether it's Richard Dawkins, they, with a passion, hate the God of biblical Christianity. Okay, and so our culture has rejected God's truth and God's morality. We've created our own new truth, our own new morality, abortion, infanticide, transgenderism, critical race theory, homosexuality is supposed to be, we're supposed to accept that. You know, I'm never going to perform a gay wedding. It's not going to happen. Okay, and um, premarital sex is supposed to be okay. <clears throat> not according to the Bible. Let God be true and every man a liar. Um, uh, I think globalism, look, if God was pro-globalism, why did he separate the languages at the Tower of Babel? Because he did not want mankind united while still in opposition to God. 
okay? Now, God does want to unite people in Christ. That's what the church is supposed to be, redeemed humanity, okay? Um, but globalism and then depopulation, and so now Harari's saying we don't have to depopulate the earth, but AI probably will anyway. And then transhumanism, let's bring about the next stage in the uh, evolution of, uh, uh, of human beings through human-machine hybrids. And so the death of God is, God is de- if God is dead, truth, morality, and meaning are also dead, but in the end, man is dead as well. Only a return to belief in God can save Western civilization. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We're living in those days today. Okay, Micah 6, 8, God has shown you, oh man, God has shown you what is good and what the Lord requires of you. God wants us to do that which is good and that which is just. Human life is sacred. We were created by God and in his image. Therefore, in the eyes of God, we're all equal. You might think you're cool and you're smart and your next door neighbor's an idiot. Hey, you're equal in the eyes of God and given inalienable rights, rights that all humans have and should not be taken from us, the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is the overthrowing of the whole American political experiment trying to build a nation on God's principles. And founding fathers, even slave owners like Thomas Jefferson knew with our Declaration of Independence, we were being inconsistent and not giving blacks their freedom. So he included an earlier draft, putting an end to the slave trade, but Georgia and the two Carolinas said, remove it or we won't sign it. Okay? Even our founding fathers, their biblical view of government and morality and human life was so biblical, even they couldn't live up to it. Okay? Um, Now you get some, like the Adams... John Adams and John Quincy Adams, I'm telling you, those guys would literally die to end slavery. You want to you look at a man of God, you look at John Quincy Adams and the stance he took. He was, I think he was America's Wilberforce. And um, the human life is sacred. We've been given inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're not just data. You know, if we're just data, couldn't I just walk up to Harari and slap his little face, knock him around a little? I mean, he's just data. No, you know what the dude would do? You know, unless he knows some martial art or something. Uh, The dude would call 911 and get me arrested. Why? Because I beat up data? No, I beat up a human being created in the image of God. So when man rejects God, true community is replaced by collectivism. No individual rights or freedom. You're only important in that you're part of a larger community. Without God, man becomes a machine and without any right to life or liberty. What should our response be? We've got to reject the evil world system. What do we do? We just got to do what God's called us to do. Stand up for Jesus. Preach the gospel and be willing to suffer for the faith. And so in closing, I give you that verse from Joshua. 
in his final speech to the nation of Israel, as they had conquered the promised land, but there were still pagans left in the promised land, he said, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There are some dark, dark times ahead. Okay? Our government doesn't love us. And it's not just Christians that they hate. They, they hate Christians right now because we're the ones who stand in the way. We're the ones who restrain this evil. But in the end, they hate all human beings. It's kind of like if you hate God, you're going to hate those who are created in his image. And so this whole thing is not just anti-Christian, it's anti-human. If Christians don't stand up for what is true and right, I don't know who will. So I don't know if we have, a, if you want a few minutes of Q&A or something, or we could just close in prayer, and then I'll stick around and we can talk uh, if you like. So let's just do that. Rory, why don't you close us in a word of prayer? Amen.